welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So today we finished chapter six of Refactoring Ruby. The last two methods we discuss are isolate dynamic receptor and move eval from runtime to pastime. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. How did you find this week's reading? I did not like it. <laughs> How did I and guess I'm, you were going to say I'm that? I'm not going to mince my words. <laughs> <laughs> How did I guess that? I, I did not like this. <laughs> I didn't like it all. It, it, it continued the um, the feeling that I've had about this book, which isn't it doesn't make it like a bad book. It's just different from what I expected, where it feels more like a reference book than it is a like a book book you know like coming from 99 bottles where there was a story and kind of a a a relatively consistent well i mean there was really a consistent problem the whole time um and you know and just the amount of explanation and thought and rationalization that went into each solution and it coming from something that was that detailed and that thorough to this, which is a lot lighter on the explanations and the context and much more about here's the code, here's the before, here's the after. Um, that was just not what I expected. And I didn't really, I didn't expect it to be as thorough as 99 Bottles, but I thought, I just thought there would be a little bit more context and explanation around the code samples. Yeah, so because it is more of a reference book, um, I think we find some readings seem less relevant than others. So, I mean, this reading in particular for me, I was reading these two things thinking, when am I ever going to use this? Also, eval, I thought I'm never, ever meant to use eval, mm-hmm. let alone yeah. worrying about moving it from runtime to pastime. So, yeah, I, I echo your feelings towards this reading. Yes, awesome. It's not just me always a good time <laughs> yeah and and you know it made me wonder though like even as a reference book how would i use it because the way that it's organized it's you know the the table of contents highlights the solutions right and so i'm thinking okay if i had the problem of you know my eval being you know not not put in the right place i feel like i would like how would i find the solution to that if I don't know the solution. Does that make sense? It's like it's like, you know, searching for a problem and matching a solution, but the way the book is organized, it's it's a list of solutions. So maybe maybe something like the index would be helpful. So mm. But the thing is even in even in the index, it it references certain methods like add option, add charge, so that that's quite specific to the examples that are given. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I guess you would have had to skim it beforehand. But even then, if you haven't read it, how do you know what the names mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like isolate dynamic receptor, which we're going to go into, um, that is dealing with method missing. But because method missing isn't in the name, like I wouldn't look at that and think, oh, yeah, I have a method missing problem. Okay, what do I need? Isolate dynamic receptor. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't quite match that way. So, yeah, I'm interested, you know, for, I mean, this is a very, very popular book and people really like it and it's been really helpful. So I'm I'm curious how people have used it and how people have been able to successfully integrate it into their best practice and into their, um, into their flow uh, because it feels very, very rich with ideas and content, uh, but, you know, not necessarily 
the most navigatable thing in terms of like in demand, you know, when you're like on demand content and when you actually have a problem that you're dealing with. So interested to see how people have used it. Cool. So shall we go on to the first method? Let's do it. So this is isolate dynamic receptor and it's when you have a class that uses method missing and it's become painful to change that class. And so what you do is you introduce another class and you move the method missing logic to that new class. So at this point, by the way, when I was reading it, I still didn't get what the problem was yet. I didn't understand yeah. why is it particular that it has method missing. Um, I thought maybe, yes, it might have something to do with debugging, but it wasn't necessarily completely clear. Right, and when it said become painful to alter, I, I was thinking, but why is it painful to alter? Like, what, what, what has happened? Right, what's the context for this that makes me go, okay, I have a, I now have a problem. I need to fix it. Yeah. So, looking at the motivation of this chapter, it says that when you've got objects that use method missing, you often get uh, no method errors that arise quite unexpectedly. Uh, and sometimes you get things like system stack errors and it just can be quite painful to debug. But despite this, you know, it's a trade-off because method missing can be quite a powerful tool that you need to use when you've got things like dynamic methods. So you don't know from the beginning what the interface of a class is going to be. And so what the authors say here is that if we use isolate dynamic receptor, which means moving the method missing behavior to a new class, then then that class's sole responsibility is to handle the method missing cases. And that should make debugging a lot easier. That was my read mm -hmm. of the motivation. Yeah, yeah. And that, that made sense to me. Um, so when we get into the mechanics of it, we start by first creating a new class specifically for those dynamic method calls. Um, and then we're going to copy the logic from the first class into that new class that we created. Uh, then we're going to create a method on the first class to return an instance of the focus class. So we're basically, we're in essence like delegating that onto that, that new class. And then we're going to change all of the previous code, the, the things that we're calling the dynamic methods, um, and be able to, to be able to call it the new method. And then we finally remove the method missing from that first object and then we test. Okay, so we've got an example. So we have class recorder, and then inside that we have instance methods dot each do meth, undef method, passing in meth as an argument, unless meth, um, and then there's a regular expression which says that it starts with either an underscore or inspect. That's what I understand that regular expression to mean. So I think it's saying undefine any methods that are that's, that have that match that regular expression. Then we have def messages, and the body of that reads at messages or equals an empty array. And then we have def method missing, which takes the argument sim and then args with a splat operator. And then we shuffle into messages an array with two things inside, sim and args, and then we return self. Okay, so then we have additional behavior on the recorder class, which is the ability to play back all the messages on an object and also the ability to represent all those calls as, as strings so we can print them out somewhere. So we've got two further methods. One says play for, taking an object as an argument, and that reads messages.inject with object as the argument, do, 
and then two arguments, result and message. Result.send, message.first, and then a second argument with the splat operator of message.last. So I think that would read, that would send all the messages from the first to the last. End, end. And then we have def2s, and that's messages.inject, taking an empty array as an argument, do, result, message. And then we take the result and we shovel in a string, which reads, um, we interpolate message.first, and then we have in brackets args colon, and we then interpolate message.last.inspect. So, okay, so that's a message and the arguments that has been passed with. And then we call end.join with the full stop as an argument. So all of the messages will be strung together with a full stop. So then we have uh, an example of how this might be used. So we've got a new class called command center and we have two methods, start and stop. So def start takes in a command string and returns itself. And then def stop takes in a command string and then returns itself. So then, so looking at how you might call this code, we've got recorder equals recorder.new, so a new instance of the class. And then we say recorder.start and we pass in a string of characters, capital L-R-M-M-M-M-L-R. And then we say... Does that mean anything? I, I feel like it does and I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and then we do recorder.stop and passing in the same string, L-R-M-M-M-M-R-L. I, I said it incorrectly before. And then we say recorder.playful and then we pass in command center.new. So as we can see, start and stop are not methods that are defined on the recorder class. So when we call them, it's actually going to call method missing. And as we saw from above, method missing stores um, the messages sent within a messages array. And so the authors say that as the recorder class grows, it's going to be harder to work out which methods exist on the the recorder method and which ones are dynamically handled. So we don't know just from looking at it which methods are explicitly defined and which ones aren't. And so this is where we can introduce a new class, such as a message collector, which will handle all of the method missing calls. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take us through this code? So we have a new class called message collector, and then we have instance methods dot each do meth undef underscore method meth unless meth matches uh, starting with an underscore or inspect end. And then we have our def messages and messages uh, is uh, return or set to an empty array. And then we have our method missing method, which is def method missing sim uh, comma splat args. And then in the body, we have messages shovel and then an array passing in sim comma args and then returning self and end. So we basically took all of the stuff. We took the instant methods, the def messages, the def method missing from our original recorder class and we moved it into our message collector. So it's nice and isolated and it's, um, it, it, it's the only place where we can do method missing stuff. Yes, and so then we define a new record method on the recorder class, and that's going to create a new instance of this message collector class, and each additional chained call from that will be recorded that way. And we keep the playback and printing capabilities, so that's the play for and 2s methods on the record object. 
So if we now look at the play for method, it's changed now. It says, so def play for taking object as an argument. And then it says at message collector dot messages dot inject taking object as an argument do result common message result dot send message dot first and then a second argument splat message dot last so yeah we're now calling that message collector object to get the messages back and now the way that we actually use it is a little bit different so we start with our recorder equals recorder dot new and instead of doing recorder dot start we'll do recorder dot record dot start passing in the string lrmmmrl and then we have recorder dot record dot stop passing in the same string lrmmmrl and then we have recorder dot play for passing in command setter dot new so now it's clear that the start and stop methods are not explicitly defined on the recorder method because we have this record method as an interface between that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So next we move on to our uh, our second recipe of the day, which is move eval from runtime to parse time. So in this example, we're encountering a situation where we need to use eval, but we want to limit the number of times eval is necessary. And uh, this is interesting because... I thought we weren't supposed to generally use eval, yeah. so I thought that was kind of a bad practice. So, you know, going into this, I was thinking, wait, are they saying that this example is an acceptable situation that we can make it better? Or is it, you know, this is the code that we happen to deal with and how can we just deal with it? Mm. So I'm going to assume it's the second one, which makes things make more sense to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to assume that we just have to deal with this code that has eval and we're trying to make it a little bit better. So given that, we have class person. We have def self dot adder with default passing in options. And then in the body, we have options dot each pair do attribute comma default value, define method attribute do. And then we have eval and then the string in at interpolated attribute uh, or equal to interpolated default value. And then we have end, end, end. So then before we close out our class person, we're going to actually call that method. Uh, so we're going to call adder with default at the very bottom with uh, two args. We're going to pass in two hashes. One is uh, with the symbol emails with the value empty array. And the second is uh, employee number with the value employee number generator dot next as a string. So we're going to take that and we're going to modify it a little bit. So instead of the eval string beginning with the at interpolated attribute um, setter equal to interpolated default value, we're going to start that whole eval string sooner. So we're going to start it at the define method point. So it's going to read eval in the string define method interpolated attribute do at interpolated attribute or equal to interpolated default value end. And then that's when the string ends. So the motivation here is that you could find situations where eval is actually causing your performance to be worse so in the case above we're calling it each time we um, want to define a method whereas if we call eval on the outside then it's only called once at past time as opposed to when the app is running and so that should have performance improvements and the authors do reference the quote that says premature optimization is the root of all evil so they still want you to watch um, that you're not doing that. But if you do find that eval is causing you performance pain, then this is a way that you can solve that. 
So that is the end of chapter six, and this is our last episode on the refactoring book. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll move on to a brand new book, Ruby Under a Microscope. First episode of that book will be released April 30th. But until then, let us know what you thought about the refactoring book. Was it helpful to you? Was it what you thought it would be? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club, and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!